Please listen carefully. Hello and welcome to the Film Revere Podcast, episode number 29. I'm your host, Zach Hamilton. My guest for this week is former professional figure skater and current SAG actress Madison Bullock. Madison's latest film, Ice the Movie, released in March and is available now on Amazon. More recently, Madison has just finished filming her new feature film, The Extraordinary Ordinary. And with that, let's get into my talk with Madison. Well, thanks so much for joining me on the show today, Madison. Thanks for having me. So on the podcast today, we're going to be discussing how you transitioned from a professional figure skater to a working actress, as well as your work in Ice the Movie and The Extraordinary Ordinary. But first off, if you think back, can you actually remember the first movie that you ever saw, like maybe as a kid, like a movie that stands out to you? Sure. So the first movie I ever saw was The Lion King. Oh my gosh. What a film. (laughs) And I know that because my parents got me a stuffed Simba that is very, very loved and carried around to many different occasions and events throughout my childhood. So, uh, (laughs) um, yeah, it was The Lion King. And it's, it's frankly, it's still one of my favorite movies. How excited are you for the new live action Lion King? Are you like nervous? Like, don't mess with my childhood. Don't you mess this up. Yeah, it's one of those things, you know, it's like uh, you're scared of a sequel of a movie that you loved because you're just like, it's so precious. But I looked at the past and if if those folks mess it up, then I don't know, the whole rest of the world, something horrible is going to happen because it's in good hands. (laughs) So, okay, so that's the first film you ever saw. But what was the first film that you ever purchased with your own money? Because again, this is going to be some years later. Yeah, with my own money. So... (laughs) I was actually a big Spider-Man fan growing up. See, I don't feel like this is fair. You don't have any embarrassment. Like, all your answers so far are great. Like, there's nothing like, really? Really? That's what you went with? They're, like, all good answers? It it, it, it gets weirder. It gets weirder. So I actually was not not just Spider-Man, but I actually kind of liked spiders when I was a kid. Uh Um, I had this little, like, bug collector device from the Discovery Channel store. I don't even know if they have those stores anymore, but it was like a spider collecting vacuum, and my parents would find me in the garage, like, catching spiders. (laughs) (laughs) And I was obsessed with Spider-Man, and, like, when the the Tobey Maguire movie came out, I can't remember when that was, but I swear, I think that is the first film that I bought, like, at Walmart with my own money, and I was so excited, so... wow. Yeah, what a great yeah. first film, but uh, yeah, I definitely can understand where you mean it gets a little weirder. I, I, I've i never been a fan of spiders myself, and in fact, I also had an experience in a garage, but it wasn't like a pleasant, like, oh, let's see what kind of spiders I can get. I opened the door, and the garage was opening, and a spider chased at me, like, actually, like, was coming after me. I've never had an, an insect smaller than me like that come after me before, and he was so big that he had a shadow underneath him, and to really oh, emphasize God. how big this spider was, I kicked him. I didn't step on him. I felt like kicking was the more apt decision in this situation. Um, yeah, that was terrifying. So I don't like spiders. In, in my mind, immediately going to my 
spider encyclopedia in my brain and it's like oh i wonder what kind of spider that was like i wonder that's crazy it was that big so i'm not scared by it i'm fascinated by it i actually had a pet tarantula when i was like 13 i'd be more upset if you didn't have a pet tarantula just given your background at this point (laughs) missed opportunity when they're babies they're actually pretty fluffy like you you, they just look like a fuzzball you know they're not they're not too scary yet. Yeah. Not to get too off topic, but have you seen the animated shorts with Lucas the Spider on no, YouTube? No, I haven't. Oh my gosh. We'll have to leave that in the link dump for this episode. But Lucas the Spider is like, this animator is bringing spiders back to the forefront as like cute and not terrifying. He basically animates, again, like what you're talking about, like a baby tarantula. And it looks very like cartoonish, yeah. like Pixar-esque. And, um, but he's like, I'm Lucas. And he's got like this cute little kid's voice and he's just distracted. He's just a spider doing spider things, but like it makes it less terrifying. Cause you're like, oh, it's just a cute little, little guy. Yeah. Dude, I am so going to look that up. My tarantula's name was Tinkerbell. So I'll have to pitch to him. I'll be like, you should, you should give Lucas a girlfriend. (laughs) Like I, I would be terrified and you give it such a nice name. You're like, I have a pet. His name's Tinkerbell. I'm like, oh, that's cute. What is it? Like a dog, like a tarantula. Like, okay. I know. It sounds like a teacup chihuahua. (laughs) It does. It really does. That is the first thing that came to mind. Um, So kind of getting back to this. So before you became a professional actress, you were also you were more known as being a professional figure skater. What made you decide yeah. to get into acting and kind of shift gears? Yeah. So I think one of the coolest aspects about figure skating is that it's it's an athletic sport, but it's also an art. And yeah. half of skating is performance. The the costumes, the music, the choreography, I mean, the, the best skating is it's also, it's a true, it's a performance, you know, and you're being a character while you're skating and everything is about creating um, this sort of masterpiece in the same way that it is for, for dancers or actors. So mm-hmm. I always kind of had that bug in me. I think that was probably my favorite aspect of skating was the, the artistic piece of it. So, um, yeah, I went to UCLA for school, and that was when I had done some theater in high school and whatnot, but that's when I really got bit by the film and television bug, and I was seeing there were all these movie premieres in Westwood. I just want to point out, I saw what you did there with the bit by the bug, you and your uh, insect backstory. It's really coming full circle here. <laughs> I know. I'm actually Spider-Woman. I was going to say it until <laughs> the end of the interview. Um, oh, man, big reveal. <laughs> But um, no, I was, it was my, my senior year at UCLA and they had, it was the premiere of some, of a dolphin movie in Westwood. And I actually, I got to meet Morgan Freeman and it was just like, oh my God, like I, I was so excited about, about movies and, and TV and acting. And anyways, I, um, growing up, I had always been a little bit disappointed in the types of skating movies that were available. They just yeah. did not... A lot of them were very authentic, and the ones that I did love, they were just getting kind of outdated. And so, um, I was like, "How can I, how can I sort of combine the two?" And I'm fortunate too that I started my acting career right as this whole like you can create your own content phenomenon yeah. was starting. You know, like it was more accessible for actors to make their own things. So, um, I, uh, well, I guess that'll be the next thing we talk about. <laughs> I guess before that, I sort of like, I, you know, after I graduated 
college, I thought for a long time that I wanted to be a lawyer and all this stuff. And then I decided, you know what, I really, I don't want to do that. I want to pursue um, acting full time. So I did some shorts, I did some indies. Um, and then I was, I was sort of getting disappointed with the lack of, of, of roles that I was genuinely passionate about, like coming up on Actors Access. So that's when I decided to to make my own movie. So, yeah, I'd love to kind of just at the, let's say probably after you start booking several jobs, right? Like this is becoming a thing that you're actually yeah. doing. It's no longer, oh, I did one. Now it's like, okay, right. I've done five or six. I got some under my belt. What was your family's reaction when you, they realized that like this acting, you know, endeavor that you were going on was, this is what you're going to do now. Were they supportive right. initially or... Yeah, I I would say I'm very, very blessed in that they actually were supportive. I come from a family of, of dreamers and doers. Um, my parents are both from a very small town in the Midwest, and they they both left the, the comforts of home to pursue extraordinary careers and, and do these really neat things. And my dad was a, a college athlete. My mom was this aerospace engineer so oh, I have wow. yeah and and so for them their their thing was look I don't really care what you do as long as you work your hard hardest to be the best at it mm-hmm. um you know it I think it's Will Smith that actually has a quote that says 99% is the same as zero so if you're going to do 99 just go ahead and stay home <laughs> so like they don't care what it is that you do it's just you better work your butt off to be the best at it that you can be. Um, And so when they saw that I was really passionate about it, the same way that I had been about my skating, they're like, okay, you know what? We're, we're on board with this. Wow. That's awesome. And it's always great to get their support because it is, you know, we, I've talked about this obviously with other guests on the show and there's varying degrees of like uh, support or lack of support because of the fact that, you know, it can be kind of a risky endeavor, but every, there's a lot of jobs out there. It's not just acting that can be, you know, potentially risky. Um, but yeah. if you're passionate about it and you're going to put in the work, which is the key point, which I feel like a lot of people kind of miss, I would say the misrepresentation of millennials, right? That they feel like everyone's entitled to everything. Like, oh, well, you were brought up to be like, you can do anything. It's like, to a degree, but the ones that actually right. did do something and did achieve that anything was because they were also told if you work incredibly hard and make sacrifices to make sure that it happens, then yes, you could potentially exactly. achieve anything. But that's the one part that gets missed by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like anything is possible and you can do anything, but there is a price tag in blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> with that you know it it doesn't just you don't just think it and meditate on it and it just materializes definitely (laughs) um you had mentioned prior that you had had been struggling with some of the roles um early on was that one of your biggest challenges or were there any other challenges that you were faced with uh when you were starting out as an actress one of the the challenges too was just learning to focus on myself and Hmm. not be competitive because I had just, I was just leaving the university system where a lot of my friends were going into corporate jobs and um, just not caring what people thought, you know, because especially at the top, you're like, you're auditioning for, for non-paid things and you do some student yeah. projects and, you know, you have your friends that are like, well, why aren't you on TV? <laughs> you oh, know, like, like, I don't get it. It's not hard, you know? 
and just getting in that mindset of like, hey, this is a journey. It's not it's not linear either. You know, just because you book this job and this job, it doesn't mean that you're uh, you're entitled to anything. You know, like yeah. you have to create your own destiny every day as an artist. Um, so focusing on myself and then coming from the figure skating world that is incredibly competitive and like there's only three spots for the Olympic team and, and that's it. And, you know, re- recognizing that as competitive as acting is, there's tons of opportunities, you know, and, and there's so many roles that if this isn't the one for you, there's there are other roles, you know, so don't be so competitive that it, it cripples you. Wow. That sounds like some good advice there. Tell you, I'm writing stuff down here real quick, just for my own personal <laughs> life. But yeah, no, it's very true. Go. It's very easy yeah. to get into that competitive uh, nature, especially coming from your background, but then also having a lot of your friends that are still competitive. Um, yeah. Uh, is there a particular actor or actress who's really inspired you the most within your own career? Within my own career, um, <laughs> you know, I love Amy Poehler. Okay. I think he is. I, Parks and Rec is probably my biggest guilty pleasure because <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's, you know, she's funny and she's beautiful, and I I like how her her work is just unapologetically like I'm having a good time and that's okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, like there's there's sometimes this this sort of unspoken pressure as as an actress that you have to be doing you know to avoid being overly like an overly sexualized character this you you have to be very dark and very serious and very dramatic and it's like i think over half of what we do is just to bring joy to people you know it's like people have they have a very limited amount of free time when they get off work or whatnot and they turn on the tv or they pay to go to a movie and you know, can you let them have some fun? Like, can you bring some joy to their life? It doesn't have to just be this indulgent, like, you know, oh, God, this made me uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> so I, I love her stuff. I loved her book. Um, her her and Tina Fey both, actually. But I was just watching Parks and Rec yesterday, so she was first on my brain. <laughs> oh, wow. There you go. Yeah, now, before we get to your roles in Ice the Movie and The Extraordinary Ordinary, I'd like to kind of ask you some more overall questions. Um, Now, this is always a tough question for guests on the show, but I'm curious if maybe you can narrow it down. But uh, what would you say are your top three favorite films of all time? If these are the only films that you could ever watch moving forward, which films would they be? Okay. um, Miracle. It's the Disney hockey movie. Yes, amazing movie. Amazing movie. Um, A Beautiful Mind. Okay, I'm curious what your third one is. Third one? Oh, God. Let's see. Um, The Cutting Edge. Okay, wow. Really good picks, honestly. Good picks, huh? Yeah, (laughs) my God. I love how you were able to do it, though. Some guests are just like, it's not happening. Move on. Next question. I can't do it. There's just too many. Well, you know what? When you said they were the only three I'd ever watched, I imagined myself on an island with the option to either pick the three or never have any movies to watch, and I oh, panicked, oh, and then they just popped into my head. I'm not going to not watch any movies. You know? Yeah. So what was the last film that you saw in a theater? In the theater. I saw uh, the latest Ant-Man. 
Anne, opinion, review, what do you it think? Was, it was funny. <laughs> All right. I liked it. It was, it was easy and just kind of like, oh, that was silly. And I remember eating Twizzlers and just having a good time. I don't, I don't have like any hugely positive or negative things to say about it, but it was fun. All right. It's a good movie to see on a Friday night. Exactly. Yeah. So, all right, kind of keeping with the last thing that you saw, what was the last TV show that you binge-watched? Orange is the New Black. Really? So was that from, like, the first season? You're just like, I've heard a lot of good things, I'm getting into it, or did you just catch up? So I had seen the it was either the pilot or one of the first few episodes a couple years ago, and it mm-hmm. just... It was if something was really gross. There's something gross that they did with food or something, and I was like, oh god, I can't, I can't watch this. Like, I'm one of those people I can't watch Survivor type shows when they eat the bugs. It just grosses oh, yeah, me out. Yeah. Uh, so I put it to bed, and then I was uh, for one of my scene study classes a couple weeks ago. I was trying to find these uh, two or three person female scenes. And someone had mentioned to me, they said, you should look into Orange is the New Black because there's so many powerful female actresses on that show. Yeah. There's such good scenes. So I started watching, you know, I got past into like the second season and I was totally sold. And then it's, you know, shamefully admitting that I've practically seen all six, seven seasons in the last two weeks. So, oh, man. Yeah. Deep dive. <laughs> you know how that goes. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Um, so moving on to your role as Bailey Grantham in Ice the Movie, which is an inspirational sports drama that tracks the journey of two elite level figure skaters. What can you tell the audience about this character? So Bailey Grantham is a very good example of the the positive aspects of 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 sports. <laughs> So I always say that, you know, whether it's, it's skating or, or whatever sport you're in, there's sort of like two different phases. There's the childlike joy of, of the discovery and the, oh my gosh, like I love this sport and I'm meeting friends and this is fun. And then there's like the adult within the athlete that starts to come up as stakes rise and pressure comes in and finances become an issue. And it just, it, it starts to hit that you're like, okay, this isn't so much fun anymore you know now this is turning into career or this is turning into a lot of sacrifice and so Bailey kind of represents the 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 childlike joy that we have when we pursue sports so for me that was a really fun character to play (laughs) because I just gave myself permission to be like what does it mean to love figure skating and what does that look like as a 18 year old girl like what does that look like how does she see the world um and again going back to my my belief that movies and tv should bring joy to people i was like i feel like this is a character that is going to make people really smile and really remember why they they love to dance or skate or play soccer or, or you know whatever that was that they used to do as a kid so Definitely. Now, now, and I'm curious too about this film and how you came to be involved or how this story, or this film, you know, came to be. Because not only obviously do you play the role of Bailey Grantham in the film, but you also were the producer on the film. What was the backstory like? How did this film get made? Yeah. So I I wrote it out out of college. Okay. Um, yeah, sort of out of that that meeting of the the time where I was like, you know. 
I'm not really seeing the roles that I want to see. I'm also yeah. sad because there aren't that many great skating movies that are portraying this world the way that I think it should be portrayed. And so I have this idea to let's let's make my own skating movie. I can showcase my unique talents as a skater and an actor, and I can really give back to the the community that made me who I am. Like I am successful in so many different facets of my life because of my skating roots and that that community of coaches and friends yeah. that raised me. Um, so I basically, I, I wrote it and I I went back to Colorado to shoot it. Just went back to my home turf and sort of rallied all of my my skating allies together <laughs> to uh, to make it happen. So that was that. <laughs> and then what was it like working with director Peter Basler? That was really cool. We connected uh, right away because he was a big hockey fan. Okay. And... I had actually very briefly worked in the the Kings organization as a like an ice crew girl for one of their affiliate teams, uh, the Ontario Reign. Okay. And it was funny because when I was first interviewing directors, he showed up to a meeting in an Ontario Reign T-shirt. Oh come and on! And I, I freaked out. And I was like, <laughs> Are you kidding me? such a weird random and we started talking about you know minor league hockey and this that and it was like okay like we get along so well um <laughs> but you know i think having something outside of film that, that connects you and your team is always helpful because you remember your real people and it's just easier to work together but um temperament wise peter is a very level-headed calm kind director which for my first like feature that I was wearing so many other hats. I think that was so important to have a director that was just not going to lose his cool every time, yeah. you know, I made a, a mistake or something as a producer. So I, I really enjoyed working with him. Now I'd love to get the other side of the story. And I, I went back and forth when we had scheduled the interview as to whether or not I was going to bring this up again, but it is quite hysterical and I'm sure that Mike wouldn't really mind. Um, <laughs> now, as he, as the audience and listeners will remember from his episode, he famously talked about he got cast. They asked if he could skate. He said, "Of course I can skate. Got this." <laughs> and then he gets on set, and he's not wearing hockey skates, but he's wearing figure skates, which are very different. And mm -hmm. uh, he totally biffs it. Now, what was going through your mind when you saw that happen? Like you're just like, "Oh God!" Like I would love to see like your reaction to this when that actually happened. <laughs> Yeah, it was so funny because uh, <laughs> I remember he first got on the ice and just the way he was standing, I was like, huh, I don't think he can really do this. Like, I, I, there was a very, very evident sense of just clinging on for dear life without any momentum still. Like, he was just, like, barely breathing, just standing there. And then, you know, we had, I was on the ice, my other skaters, uh, some of my other hockey skaters and we were just like zooming around doing this doing whatever and one of my co-stars I could tell she was having way too much fun with it and she just started kind of like skating circles around him and I think he asked her like oh how do you do this move and she goes oh just like this and then he stepped backwards and that's when we ate it and like it was it was <laughs> he's become one of my very best friends and I have so much respect for him, you know, getting yeah. out on the ice and just and showing up and learning and doing what it took. But like at the time, I was like, 
aren't you pitching this as like a movie for skaters by skaters where everyone does their own stunts? I'm like, how am I going to make this work? Like, I love this kid, but what do we do? Yeah. Now, from what I from what I remember him telling me uh, in our conversation about this, the the problem he was having was because they weren't hockey skates. And what he had mentioned uh, to myself and the listeners was that you guys did a lot of shots that were above the uh, feet for him so that he was able to actually use hockey skates. Now, am I wrong in saying that? or? Yeah, no, and I will say this, what was really cool about it is um, it didn't take him long to to figure out the difference. And, mm. you know, the, the main thing is we have toe picks on the end of the yep. figure skates. Yep, with definitely. The longer blade and, I think he talked about that. He called them claws. Yeah. <laughs> you know, claws. Yeah, well, yeah. Like, oh, God, you just laid it in. I'm sorry, Mike. I'm sorry. I, just <laughs> I love Mike so much. <laughs> no, but what they're for is so that when the skaters do the, the jumps into the air, they basically, like, stick their toe into the ice, and it helps propel them up into the air. Yeah. And hockey skates don't have that because, you know, they're not they're not jumping. Um but yeah, no, we we did get really creative with the shots, and we were. It ended up not being a problem at all. Like he he even has like a really cool little twirl that he does in one of the shots, and that was all him. So yeah, he 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 got it. Yeah, that's one thing you get from Mike very quickly is if there's something he struggles with, he won't struggle with it for long because he's gonna figure uh-huh. it out. So. No, no, he uh, and he also was such a blessing to have on set too because he's also. Uh, he's a producer actor, yeah. so having producer actors on set was doubly helpful because they know what's up. You know, they're not just in their head about like, oh, how do I look in the shot? Or no, it's all about me. You know, he has such an acute awareness of the entire filmmaking process, um, which I'm I'm so grateful to have had him on the set. Definitely. Now, you've also recently finished filming another feature film, The Extraordinary Ordinary which is a film that tells the story of three college students who find solace and healing in the arts as a means of overcoming their personal history with mental health. Now, in this film, you were cast as Erica. Now, again, this is another film where you were producing. Um, But real quick, can you describe your character to the listeners? Yeah, so Erica is a, a sexual assault victim, and she accepts a scholarship to this art school that's very far away from home and uh it's sort of about her her journey to recovery and and finding herself again through um polaroid photography in particular that's that's her passion yeah and it's it's really cool um how we shot it we shot it in um the same vein as have have you seen the movie mother with jennifer i have seen the movie mother yeah so how a lot of those shots are, they're very, very, like, close up mm-hmm. of, of her. And you're sort of, like, experiencing her anxiety and yeah. uh, what she's going through, like, through the shots. That's how we shot this. Um, so the, the the actress in me is like, oh, there's so many shots where my head looks like it's in a fishbowl. Like, I don't look pretty <laughs> yeah. in any of the yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it, it was it was very creative, and I, I think what I love most about this film is that it um, it doesn't dramatize mental health, it doesn't glamorize it. It, it, it really just shows that like, hey, real people everywhere, all over the world are, are struggling with different variants of, of anxiety and depression, and and here's just like a little snapshot of how one girl is 
just figuring it out. You know, she has good days and bad days, and mm-hmm. she has relationships and friendships, and here's just a piece of what maybe that looks like and how maybe someone could see it and say, you know what, like, it's, it's going to be okay because look what's happening here. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I I really enjoyed making that film. Now, what was the most challenging aspect of filming for you with, in particular, you know, The Extraordinary Ordinary? Yeah, so my, um, my writer, director, Natalie Rodriguez, we had such great chemistry together. I think working... Um, working with the female director was really cool too, because we had so many moments where we just were like, uh, okay, like, like girl brain, girl power. Like we understand what we're trying to to get here. You know, it didn't Mm -hmm. feel like we just had someone telling us what they wanted. That was great. Um, I think the hardest part was, (laughs) was being so sad all the time as this character. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I could uh, see that being a struggle. Yeah, it was the first time I had played somebody with such a dark history and a dark past. And I think, you know, comedy is my is my favorite. That's my dream. I want to be a comedic actress. So while this was cathartic, it was it was very, very intense. And then it's also hard too to like turn that off and then be a very like with it and grounded producer. <laughs> like yeah. let's shoot like a panic attack scene and then, you know, let's go over the schedule for the next day. And you I'll know, try like, not to continue the panic like, attack. I just, yeah, summed up there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, no, my, my co-stars were great. Um, I worked with, uh, Ricardo Montalban's grandson, Alex Montalban, who is this like insanely talented Meisner trained actor. Like he's so awesome. I, I can't wait to see what he does next. Um, and then Anna Marta, who is this Instagram superstar, she just did a YouTube series with um, Lele Pong. So, yeah, she's, she's very talented, too. So I, I was lucky I had them uh, to, to keep my spirits up or to help me keep them down if the scene called. <laughs> yeah, right. That's always awkward. It's like, can you lift me up? But also, I'm going to need you to really... I need you to darken it up here for me. Really help me. I out. know it's like let's not make this, you know, <laughs> too too happy. And then uh, my my DP on that, uh, Trevor Roach, he is a a recent Chapman graduate, and he was just like insanely talented and and such a good attitude. I, I Chapman, like I'm gonna I want to work with everybody from there. That's such a great school. Hmm. When does this film, are you guys, I'm assuming, going to do a festival run with this? Or what's what's the release schedule for this film? Yeah, we're, we're getting through post now, but um, I definitely anticipate a, a strong festival run. I think it's a, it's a unique, um, you know, it, it just, it's a unique story. It's shot in a really cool way. And it's, um, I know everyone says, well, the movie's so unique, but... Uh, I think uh, mental health, there just aren't many movies that address it in the way that we have. I feel like a lot of movies, it's like they're horror movies where the bad guy just has some kind of like obscure mental health problem that we don't really talk about. It's just a conglomeration of things or it's it's just this sad piece where you're just watching somebody like in a hospital and and this this isn't that, you know, this is just a real life, it has ups, downs, it's, it's cool. Well, and in an interesting way, too, it's almost a full circle for you because we talked about favorite films earlier in the show, and you mm-hmm. had mentioned A Beautiful Mind, which is, an, again, a film where I feel like it handled mental health pretty well, I think, in that, in that film. 
it and painted did, a different yeah. picture than what you would think because it was a big twist you know that if you hadn't known who that person was you're like oh my gosh what is going on and you're just seeing it kind of unravel as it unravels with him absolutely and thank you for mentioning that because one of my favorite aspects of that is I think it's you know it's so much a love story too yeah I really, you know, the way that, that, that she stays with him and supports him, and mm-hmm. it, it's a love story, and it's similar in The Extraordinary Ordinary. That it's, it's a love story between the two friends, between the, the guy and the girl about, you know, it's, at the end of the day, it's not about what you're going through. It's about why you're fighting so hard to get through it because of what's on the other end, whether it's a person you want to be with or if it's a goal that you want to meet. It's it's not purely about just the obstacles. It's about why the heck, you know, you're getting through it, which yeah. is mine. That's what it's about. So, exactly. and also the music. Oh my God, the music in that movie. Yeah. Oh. I'm a huge score buff. Like a lot of times when I'm working, I always have like soundtracks to films, like the actual full on like orchestrated score. And yes. th- yeah, that's one of the best ones out there. Yeah. My, uh, so I, uh, in my figure skating career, I was huge on like skating to music scores. Oh wow! And okay. I did this one uh, one of my pieces that I skated to for my collegiate season, like my final collegiate season. It was a mix of a Beautiful Mind and a Requiem for a Dream. It had wow. those two scores together, and so you, if you know that, then you're like, oh man, that was probably really intense. Yeah, so I I love movie scores. That is awesome. Well, before we end the show, are there any other projects or films that you'd like to promote and let the listeners know about? Yeah, so I I'm turning Ice Ice the movie into into a book, <laughs> which will be um, available as a young adult novel this Christmas. So oh, wow. that's awesome. not a movie, but it's kind of cool. Um, yeah, and then I have uh, a a psychological thriller called Lioness that's um, in pre production right now which um, is going to be a, a, a female-driven um, psychological thriller similar to the movie Enough with Jennifer Lopez. Okay. Anybody know that movie? Yeah, kind of a, a cool one. So, yeah, I'll, I'll keep you posted on that one. <laughs> yeah, definitely. As we always do, we'll be sharing stuff out and keeping track of progress for the projects we've talked about here. And then also, like you had mentioned with Lioness, I'm definitely curious to see what happens with that. Um, yeah. Well, thanks so much to Madison Bullock for joining me on the show today. Also, be sure, again, to check out her recently released film, Ice the Movie, which you can find on Amazon now, today. Uh, Seriously, Madison, thanks again for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. Well, that's the end of episode 29 of the Film Revere podcast. Please show your support for the FR podcast by leaving a review on iTunes, Google Play Music, or wherever you happen to listen to the show. Be sure to follow the company's social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Revered Network to get all updates first. Lastly, thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Film Revere podcast. Have a great week. 